0: Hi, I'm Dennis Hester, and I'm the pastor here at First Baptist Church Wataga. and we are grateful that you have tuned in to listen to these messages, either through our podcast or on our website. And as you listen to these, our prayer is that you would hear the Lord speak to you from His Holy Word. If you're interested in learning more about the church, you can get on our website at fbcwatauga.org. From there, there's a place where you can plan a visit. You can learn more about our beliefs. You can also request prayer through the prayer request page. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to get to know you. The most important thing that I'd communicate to you is as you listen to God's Word that you find a place to get plugged into a local congregation. Whether it's here at First Baptist or another local church where you live, if you'd like information or would like us to help you find a church home, uh, we'd love to talk to you about that. And you can contact us through our Facebook page. So God bless you as you listen to His Word and may the Lord encourage you in your walk. When we face difficult times, especially as we are right now, many men and women will step to the forefront and seek to lead in various ways. I want to give you a little bit of advice, though, and this really is the theme of the message today from Hebrews chapter 13. The theme is this, leaders worth following will continue to point to Jesus. They aren't going to major on strange teachings, religious exercise, obscure doctrines, or even crazy politics. They'll major focus on Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. They'll focus in on the good news that leads to life in Jesus Christ, not life to be found anywhere else. We are coming toward the end of our uh, focus on Hebrews chapter, uh, uh, our focus on Hebrews, sorry, we started a, uh, uh, let, uh, series on Hebrews way back in the early part of last year. The first two sections of Hebrews focused on Jesus as our great sacrifice, and then Jesus as our great high priest. The third section of Hebrews deals with Jesus as a new and living way, and um, chapters 10 through 13 is where we find ourselves. It was, it's very tempting, of course, as we come to a, a, a unique, strange time as this to alter the sermon plan. To change direction and and maybe try to find uh, something that that would maybe fit perfectly into today's world. And yet, what I found over the last two weeks as we begin to deal with uh, the social distancing and, and the threat of the coronavirus. Is that right where God placed us in Hebrews chapter 12 and 13 was perfect. It was exactly where we needed to be. And when I began to study this lesson and looked at the the primary focus of it on dealing with leadership and how the church ought to follow their leaders, I, I kinda questioned that. I thought, really? Is this what I'm supposed to preach from today? And yet, as I spent time in God's word, his spirit began to speak and began to lead me, and I realized how important it is that we know how to identify good, godly leaders, especially in a time like this. And so to the the congregation that is sitting before me, the nine or so people that are out here, and the congregation that is online. We're gonna study God's word just as he had laid it out uh, in my preaching uh, series, so to speak, over a year ago. I wanna lead us in a word of prayer, and then we're gonna read from Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse seven. Father, as we come to this text, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to see your truth Lord, not that anyone would hear my words, but they would hear your word, and that your spirit would speak to our hearts and help us to understand how this text, this truth from your word applies to our lives today, even in this crazy, mixed-up time. Lord, I pray that your spirit would use it to encourage us and to lead us and to guide us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I believe that the, the primary paragraph here that, we're gonna be, that that I'll be preaching from, uh, it begins and ends with these verses dealing with leadership. So verse seven and verse 17. Read with me if you would. Hebrews chapter 13 beginning in verse seven. Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives imitate their faith. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulations, since those who observe them have not benefited. We have an altar from which those who worship at the tabernacle do not have a right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought to the most holy place by the high priest as a sin offering are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also suffered outside the gate so that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp bearing his disgrace. For we do not have an enduring city here. Instead, we seek the one to come. Therefore, through him let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that confess his name. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you." I just wanna walk through this text together as we do each Sunday. And we're gonna look at about six major ideas here. Really, the first one and the last one are very similar uh, because it kind of bookends this text. So we're gonna begin with this command, essentially, to imitate your leaders. Now, he starts out by saying, remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. I believe the primary focus here is for us to remember those who who had a positive influence on our faith through the preaching and teaching of God's word, who were faithful to God's word, and whose lives have borne that out. Now, there are some writers or commentators who believe that this passage is speaking to Uh, those leaders who have died. So he's saying, remember those who who taught you, who trained you early in your faith, but now they've passed on. I don't necessarily believe that's the case because even though he says, remember your leaders, uh, he also says, as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. And so you can look back in, in kind of past tense, and, and remember those who led you to Christ, those who led you in your faith, those who discipled you early on, but also, before you make a decision to imitate them, look at where their life ended up. Watch, don't, don't imitate their faith if it's not leading and pointing to Christ. And so you have the, the, the command here to imitate them, but pay attention to the outcome of their lives. And I think that really part of the the command of the author here is that that we we give honor and we focus on those who appointed us to Jesus, but we also are careful because not everybody who claims to be a pastor or everyone who claims to be a teacher of God's word has the right motives. In fact, a lot of of guys who would claim to be pastors or prophets uh, are, are false prophets or are false teachers. And so pay attention to their words, but also pay attention to their lives before you make that decision to follow them. The term here is not strictly, it does not strictly mean pastor. It's kind of an administrative term that means leaders, leaders. Uh, but it's not a technical term. It really pointed to anybody that that had been put in a position of leadership, whether it be in government or or whether it be in a church or whether it be in a a job position. So really this is kinda good advice all the way around. You wanna follow those whose lives line up with God's word. And yet, as the writer of Hebrews applies it here, he certainly is applying it to leaders in the church. So as they proclaim God's word, follow them, imitate them, but pay attention to where their life leads. So the second command here, and this is a, it's an interest, interesting verse because it looks almost like it's, it's this beautiful verse of praise that's just dropped down out of the sky right in the middle of this passage. But it's really not. This verse serves as a, a connector to verse seven and then verse nine through 12. He says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How does that connect to verse 7? Well, it connects to verse 7 as a reminder that if you see a a, a teacher who is preaching one thing about God's Word, but their life does not line up with it, or they change their teaching, you better pay attention to what's going on. And and ultimately, uh, when things get difficult, times change, sometimes people begin to change what they're saying. Their tune begins to change, so to speak. And and so varying and strange doctrines, varying and strange, uh, various and strange uh, ideologies come along out of leadership's mouths. Pay attention to that because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The Jesus who died on a cross and rose again 2,000 years ago, shed his blood for your sin and my sin that we might have hope and that we might have everlasting life is not affected by social distancing. He's not affected by, by COVID-19. Uh, he wasn't affected by the Black Plague. Uh, Jesus doesn't change. He still is seated on his throne. Jesus didn't fall off the throne when, when the United States went through the Great Depression in the early 30s. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's important because if you have a, a leader who is not continually pointing to Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, you're following a, 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 an unhealthy leader. Keep, your, your leader must keep Jesus central at all times, through the good times and through the bad times. Jesus ought to be the center focus out of every pastor's mouth. We ought to be pointing to Jesus, we ought to be pointing to the cross, we ought to be pointing to the resurrection every day. Not, not just around Easter time. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe that this, in a, in, though it's not the middle verse in this paragraph, this is the centerpiece of this paragraph. Because if we don't keep that That first, if we don't keep Jesus first, we're gonna miss the whole point of what he's trying to teach us here. And so then he presses on and he says, so don't be led astray. The gospel of Jesus is not gonna change. When Jesus rose again, he became the one and only hope for eternal life. So 2,000 years ago, the message of the Apostle Paul and, 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 and of Peter and of John and James in the early church was, there is Jesus is the only name under heaven by which man can be saved. That truth, that gospel, is still true today. Now... As humans change, and as we, we gain insight, and, and we learn more about the universe, and we learn more about uh, molecular biology, whether it's from the tiniest uh, uh, microbiology to the, to the you know studies of the universe, we may learn more about God's creation and come to better understanding of all that God's created. We may expand our human brains and and and, and, and our ability to rationalize things, and yet. Jesus still remains the one and only hope. He's the only way to eternal life. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So regardless of of how much we grow, how much we learn, we live in a culture who says, well, we've gotten to a point where where we're too wise, we're too smart, Uh, we've learned so much that we realize that there really is not a God. That's just a lie from, from Satan. The truth is, God has not changed. He is the same. And and because of that, he is reliable in every single time period. Verses nine through 12 then kind of point toward what we don't need to be led astray toward. So if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, we we need to be careful with some things that, that people will try to lead us to during our day and age. Read verses nine through 12 again with me. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be established by grace, not by food regulations, since those who observe them have not benefited. We have an altar from which those who worship at the tabernacle do not have a right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the most holy place by the High priest as a sin offering are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also suffered outside the camp, so that he might sanctify the people by his blood. Notice that the author begins with religious exercise that his folks were particularly dealing with, and this was being restricted to certain kinds of food, and he ends with Jesus because he wants us to remember that no matter what people tell you, what type of new, strange teaching may come along, Jesus is still gonna be the answer. And so uh, look at, uh, there, there's something interesting that happens here in verse seven and verse nine. Uh, there's five phrases that kind of line up, and I just wanted to give you this as a little bit of insight that'll maybe help you understand this text. He, he, verse seven says, remember your leaders. Verse nine says, don't be led astray. So he's telling you be careful of false leaders. Verse seven says, uh, well I'm sorry, the verse, verse, verse seven says remember. Verse nine says don't be led astray. Verse seven says your former leaders, so remember your former leaders. Verse nine says strangers or strange itinerant preachers. And so he's comparing uh, these two. Your former leaders who were faithful preachers of the word compared to those strangers who are teaching a strange gospel. On one side, they're gonna preach the word of God. On another side, they're gonna teach diverse or divisive human teachings. On one side, uh, consider their accomplishment and how their lives fleshed out. On the other side, look at how their, whoever listened to their teaching did not benefit. On one side, look at their faith. On the other side, he's saying, look, pay attention to their foods. or their." And I think that that, is more broadly understood as their religious exercises that did not benefit them. So, you, you see this comparison here as he walks through that, but don't be led astray by these strange teachings. You know, especially when we come through times like this. And I see it on the internet, I see it, I see it through social media, Facebook, and all kinds of places. Uh, people immediately start saying, well, looks like the end times again. And they start majoring on, on all of these. And, and now some of the, the imagery that in the 1960s was connected you know, from Revelation was connected to one thing, now it's connected to something else. And it's continually changing, it's continually moving. And, and, and people are so concerned and so excited about maybe the end times, which hey, don't get me wrong, Jesus could return today. If he so chooses, uh, the the eastern sky could burst open and and the trumpet would sound and and the dead in Christ would rise first and then we'd be caught up together in the air with them. First Thessalonians tells us that. So so today could be the return of Christ. But what happens when we go through difficult times like this is all kinds of strange teachings start coming along and they start dividing people. They'll start dividing the church. They'll start dividing uh, God's people. And we have to be careful there to avoid the strange teachings. Because if the focus is on anything other than Jesus, ignore it. He is the centerpiece. Keep that in in the forefront of your mind. So avoid the strange teaching. Then he says, because we have been established by what? Grace. Look down there at at verse 10 through 12. I'm sorry, verse nine. At the end of verse nine, he says, uh, we have been established by grace. It is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by regulations. Why is it good for the heart to be established by grace? First and foremost, because that's the only way that we can come to God is by his grace. There's no works. There's no regulations of what we eat or don't eat. There's no rules of what we do or don't do that can bring us into a relationship with the living God. Grace is how we are established in Christ. And so as Paul would tell the Galatians in Galatians chapter three, if you were established by grace through faith, there is no other way to live out this Christian life than by grace through faith. If you think anything else, you're a fool. In fact, he begins Galatians 3.1 by saying, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. We have to remember that we are established by grace, not religion, not religious rules. And then verses 10 through 12 there, we are reliant upon Christ's sacrifice and not our sacrifices, Verses 10 through 12, you see uh, the writer of Hebrews flesh this out in kind of a a strange way for us. We're we're not accustomed to it in our ears. As he was writing to the Hebrews, they were very accustomed to the the religious practices of sin offerings and and sacrifices as as guilt offerings. And and we just don't live in that world as they did. And, And what he is trying to, the point that he's trying to make here is that those who still hold on to those offerings for their hope aren't even allowed to come to the table that we get to come to, to worship a holy God. Because the only way to come to that table is through Jesus. It's not through uh, a sin offering. In fact, he uses this weird phraseology about, uh, you know, whether you're inside the gate or outside the gate, the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the most holy place by the high priest as a sin offering are burned outside the camp. And so he's using all this image about how, how the sacrifice is made outside the camp, but it's brought into the tabernacle and it's made as a, as a sacrifice there. So Jesus also went outside the camp and he shed his blood for us. But he wants us to see primarily that those who observe those practices, verse 10, can't even come to the altar to worship that followers of Jesus can come to. Hebrews from verse, uh, chapter one through chapter, the middle of chapter 10 focused primarily on this idea that Jesus was our one and only sacrificial lamb and that Jesus became our high priest, our, uh, the, the one through whom we could come into the holy place, into the true tabernacle and truly worship a living, holy God. And so it is through Jesus his sacrifice that we have hope of eternal life. Now I'll pause here just for a moment because uh, I don't know who all is maybe listening to this broadcast. I saw a lot of our friends from, from May, Texas and that surrounding area listening and then and fo- friends up in Tulsa. But wherever you're listening, the truth is still the same. Jesus is the centerpiece. He's our hope. And, and, and I've been all around this, but I want you to hear this. If you have not come to that place where you have, have agreed with Scripture. You've confessed, yes, I've got sin that needs to be dealt with, and my only hope for eternal life is through Jesus. I'll plead with you to, to make that decision So wherever you are, right there in your living room, you don't have to wait until until this is over. If right now the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart, turn off your iPad or turn off your TV and get down on your knees and pray and ask for Christ to forgive you of your sins through his blood that was shed on the cross. Because he is your only hope of eternal life. We had a friend from our growth group that I've already started praying for her aunt and uncle One of them has tested positive for COVID-19 and the other one is immunodepressed and is beginning to show signs. And so Heather, we're we're praying for your aunt and uncle. This thing's real. There's craziness going on out there and I I may not understand or agree with all the the decisions made by leaders across our country with social distancing. I'm trusting them, I'm, I'm obeying them. That's why we're doing service like we are. But this is real. There are people who are gonna die from this disease. And if they die without Christ, they're gonna die forever. That's right. If you're one of those who don't know for sure whether or not if you were to, to die this week or next week in the midst of this pandemic, if you don't know for sure, I plead with you to simply come to Christ and say, Lord, I believe that you are my only hope. Forgive me of my sins. If you don't completely understand or you need guidance, reach out. Reach out to us through through First Baptist Watauga, fbcwatauga.org slash prayer. we'll, We'll be glad to reach out with you. Reach out. Kevin Skinner right now is online. I know that following the service. Reach out to him because this is crucial. See, Your greatest, the greatest threat to your existence is not COVID-19, it's not a a hurricane or it's not the tornadoes that hit Arkansas day before yesterday or yesterday. The greatest threat to your existence is your sin. Our sin has separated us from a holy God who loves us and he sent Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He sent his son to die on a cross, shed his blood so that we could have eternal life. And the writer of Hebrews says no matter what else a leader out there tells you, what's most important is Jesus and your relationship with him. So move with me through the last three main points. It comes to verse 13 and 14. He says, let us then go outside the camp bearing the disgrace for we do not have an enduring city here. Instead, we seek the one to come. Christ ended up dying on a cross outside of the city basically as a picture of the fact that he was not accepted by the Jewish leadership, by the religious people. And the writer of Hebrews wants his audience to understand that just like that, we're not going to be understood by a lot of people around us. We're not going to be understood by some of those who are religious and to seek to get to God through religion. And we're certainly not going to be understood by those who who in our culture who don't know God and and claim atheism or or claim to be uh, agnostics. They're not gonna understand us. And so it's as though we're gonna be separated. We're gonna be pushed outside the camp. We're gonna, be, uh, uh, we're gonna have to go out there. We're, 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 we're kind of a disgrace to the rest of the world. And, and the writer of Hebrews says, go. Go, go be where Jesus is. Accept that disgrace. Accept that misunderstanding. Take it outside the camp. Let us go outside the camp bearing his disgrace. You know why? because what we face on this earth is temporary. Any shame, any disgrace, any misunderstanding that, that someone would, would, would give us is temporary. We don't, we're not looking for uh, this world. We're not one to stay here. We look for that enduring city, that one that will last. We don't have an enduring city here. Instead, we seek the one that is to come. That's where our eyes ought to be focused. So why is it, and this is what I talked a lot about last week and the week before, about why I'm not afraid, why I'm just not that worried about COVID-19. And it's not because I'm a little younger, healthier than some others it may be. Some of the, I've seen many recently who have been under 50, who have lost their lives to this disease. I'm not as worried about it, because if I were to catch the disease and I took my last breath on this earth, Next week, I'd open my eyes in the presence of God. This is not an enduring city for me. This world is gonna come to an end for all of us at some point. So the question is, are you prepared for what's next? So ultimately, the threat of any disease, of any pestilence, of any disaster to the Christian who is trusted in Christ, that threat is temporary. The hope I have is eternal. Stand up for Christ when it's tough because this is not your final resting place. This is not where you're gonna end up. And then in verse 15 and 16, continually praise God. And I I don't wanna pick on, worship ministers here, but I'm going a little bit. See, I think we're so quick to take things out of context that we miss something here. Uh, I've heard this verse quoted over and over to continually, uh, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is an incredible passage of scripture, incredible advice. But you know what I haven't heard, I haven't been reminded of, I haven't had people quote when they quote that part of the passage is, where the rest of the verse tells us what that sacrifice of praise is. That is that the fruit of our lips confess his name. See, that's the sacrifice of praise is that you go around talking about Jesus, that you confess his name. He is what matters. You can have all of the feel-good songs that you want, but if you're not confessing the name of Christ, it doesn't matter. But see, this expounds before, but beyond that, you don't have to be in a worship service with a band singing a Christian hymn to confess the name of Jesus. When you confess Christ's name, you're offering a sacrifice of praise. When you're at the gas pump and you're talking to the person next to you and you you confess the name of Christ, you're offering a sacrifice of praise because you're confessing who he is. God has called us to continually offer a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips that confess his name. So he gives us a couple really good practical pieces of advice here that are that that important as we go outside the camp. One, continually offer a sacrifice of praise. Continually have the name of Jesus on your lips. You know, anytime that there's a, a hurricane in the Gulf, doesn't matter where you go, you'll hear the name of the hurricane on people's lips. You know what you hear right now everywhere you go? I stopped off in, in Throckmorton, Texas on Thursday to buy something at a, uh, a, a dealership for four-wheelers, for my brother's four-wheeler. And you know what they wanted to talk about the whole time I was in the store? COVID-19. See, we, we always have something that's on our mind, that's on our lips, that we're talking about. Whatever's on our minds, is what tends to come out here. You know what this passage says? You ought to have Jesus so much on your mind that he keeps coming out here. That's the sacrifice of praise that you're continuing to focus on Jesus and confess his name. So, the first piece of advice in the midst of everything that's going on, let Jesus be on your lips more than COVID 19. That's a pretty good, straightforward piece of advice. Second piece of advice it gives you here continue to do good and fellowship. There in verse 15 and 16, uh, verse 16 in particular, do not neglect what is good and to share. Continue to do good. And that word that's translated to share in the Christian Standard Bible is the word koinonia. It means fellowship. And it really, in our minds, it, that seems like two different things. We, we can't really fellowship together right now. I heard a great story this week. Uh, somebody on one of the neighborhood apps, an elderly person had, had put out there a question. Hey, does anybody know where we can find toilet paper this week? You know, Toilet paper's made it into the sermon for the last three weeks. I, I'm hoping through the rest of COVID-19 we can find out a way to fit it in. This lady, uh, she just put out there, does anybody know where we can find some toilet paper? We're needing some. Later that afternoon, she heard a knock on her door and looked out on her porch and there was a stack of toilet paper. Somebody who had extra share. Now, I know how they got extra. <laughs> We've seen the lines. Uh. But the, the, the point is, we can still do good, even in the midst of all that's going on, and love on each other fellowship with each other. I saw our, our men's growth group today had a full class uh, online as they were sharing God's word, studying together. We can still fellowship. We can still share. Yes, I, I miss the personal one-on-one contact. And, and I believe that, that, that we certainly don't want to neglect God's word when it says, uh, you know, don't uh, neglect the joining together, coming together, or fellowshipping together as brothers and sisters in Christ. But during this strange time, if we keep the name of Jesus on our lips and we continue to reach out and to do good and to share, we're showing love to God and love to each other, which is the very root of what Jesus says true religion is, to love him and to love each other. And then finally, you get to verse 17. And uh, this is the bookend. I told you that that the beginning of this this passage, verse seven and verse 17, were the bookends of this text and they kind of said the same thing but but a little bit different. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. I believe that this passage, this verse, as it's connected together with this entire text, is primarily telling us to obey those leaders in the church whom God has appointed as leaders over us, okay? And, and you know I've, I've used this text uh, when I'm talking about pastoral leadership. Uh, I think that, that we have a command here from God's word that when a church believes that God has called a man or men to serve as leaders or if you wanna use the term elders in the church, once God has appointed them to a position of that leadership and, and in this case, Particularly, the elders would represent Kevin and I, the two ordained uh, pastors of First Baptist Wataga here. The church has a responsibility and an obligation to seek to follow our spiritual leadership. Now, the caveat that I'm going to point you back to is pay attention to our lives and see if we're living out what we preach when you look back at verse 7. If we're not, In my case, and I know Kevin would say the same thing, call us on it. Come talk to us about it. But certainly, this isn't a blank check for leaders to exercise dominance or authority over a church. But it is a command from the Lord that if you believe God has called that person to a position of leadership, then you need to recognize that God's called them, God's placed them there, and you need to obey. You need to follow their leadership. Because if you don't, you're not just disobeying the pastor's desires, you're disobeying God. Now, that sounds like a strange thing coming out of a pastor's mouth because those that know me know that I'm not an authoritarian leader in any kind of way. I believe that God's called me to be a shepherd, a servant leader. And so I'm very careful with, with how I approach this text. But the, but the bottom line is that in the church, here's the scary part, God's gonna hold me accountable For your souls. If I'm held accountable, then then certainly I need to have some room to lead. Okay? I believe that this passage also has a broader application, though, for our day. Scripture also teaches us that God has placed leaders in authority in our nation. God's the one who's put presidents in place, He's the one who's put governors in place, He's the one who's put city leaders in place. And there's times when, when I don't like what some of the leaders have told us, even during this time of disaster. But God's word says that I'm to obey them. God's word says that I'm to submit to the direction from our leadership. Even though I may not understand it, I've got to put some kind of level of trust in our, our, our health leaders, our medical experts, I may not like everything they say. I may not agree with everything that they say. But unless they lead me directly away from God, and they they call me to do something that that is a direct uh, affront to God's word. I'm obligated by God's word to obey and to follow that leadership. So, Ultimately, now who's going to be held accountable? The leader is. In fact, James chapter three, uh, verse one says, hey, not many of you should aspire to be leaders because you're going to be held to a higher level of judgment. I can assure you, I did not aspire to be a pastor. I'm only here because I believe God called me. I don't aspire to be a leadership in the medical, a leader in the medical community because I don't have an expertise there and I'm not called there. So I'm gonna follow those who God has put in place there. Because if you refuse to obstinately disobey leadership, it's not only gonna go bad for them, but it's gonna go bad for you. You know, there, there are, these are strange times. And, and, and leaders are gonna to have to make a tough decision because there's some people who have just decided, I just I ain't gonna do what you tell me to do. I ain't gonna obey. So I'm gonna go Hang out in a large, I'm gonna go have a COVID-19 party. I read of one of those happening. 43 people gathered in one location for a COVID-19 party. So what are the leaders to do? Well, they've got to punish them. They have to. And and so it makes it harder on leadership, but it also makes it harder on the individuals. See, folks, when, when, when God calls a pastor to lead and a pastor leads a certain direction and the church says, no, I ain't gonna do it, it makes it a whole lot harder on the pastor, but it also makes it harder on you in the long run. So the, the caveat here, the primary focus that I want you to remember is that leader had better be pointing you to Jesus. He'd better be making Jesus the centerpiece of his messages. Not just of what he says, but he, he better be making Jesus the centerpiece of his life. And, and you examine the life of that leader, And look for Jesus. I can't get away from it. The central focus of this text, though the message is about leadership, the central focus is Jesus. Jesus is the greatest leader, the greatest example that we've ever had. And and we follow his leadership and we point to him. We'll be all right. We generally have a traditional invitation at this time. And I wanna invite you, wherever you are in your homes, uh, watching uh, on, your, on your iPad. We, we had people uh, two weeks ago that were watching on their, their phones while they were driving. Uh, hopefully the driver wasn't holding the phone, but some, one of the pastors was. Wherever you are, if God has spoken to you today, and, and, and maybe you're one of those Christians who you've just been obstinate, and said, I ain't gonna do what they told me to do. My prayer is that you would allow God's word to soften your heart and that you'd prayerfully seek him to submit to God's word and his leadership.